Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Maria Batt, Director of Client Relations and Design for Shovel the Sidewalk. We are a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York, specializing in building brands for small businesses and then pushing their message out there through authentic storytelling. Um, and we're all in right now, what's a better time for learning about stories within our community. So today I have Joe Urban from Platters Chocolates. Hi Joe, welcome. Hi Maria, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So I'm a North Tonawanda native. My husband's a professional firefighter. I'm never leaving. So I'm very familiar with Platters Chocolates. Um, tell everybody a little bit about the institution that you guys are around here. Well, uh, real quick history. Platters was started by a guy by the name of Carl Platter back in the late 30s. Um, and my dad grew up in the neighborhood where he used to make his candies and was familiar with the brand. And uh, they used to make it in the basement of their house and sell it door to door, uh, like the old fashioned milkmen used to do. You know, the milk, uh, milk deliveries right to your doorstep. That's how they sold the chocolate. Uh, and then my father uh, had the opportunity to buy the business back in 1974. Uh, it was still in the basement of a house. And that's when Platters became uh, pretty much what we did. We've been a candy family ever since. And uh, my father, uh, through some networking, he was a, a licensed pharmacist and he had a lot of connections in the pharmacy industry and we started wholesaling after he bought it. There was no wholesale prior to that, um, but phase drugs, owl drugs um, were big in, in helping us grow the brand, even outside of uh, you know North Tonawanda, because outside of North Tonawanda, not a lot of people knew of platters. Um, and uh, unfortunately, my father died young uh, in 1993, he passed away of cancer, and I was in college at the time. My sister was a full-time employee of the business, and my brother and I uh, quit what we were doing and came on board to join the business, and it's been uh, quite a journey ever since. We now have, uh, at our busiest time, almost 100 employees seasonal, and we have 30,000 square feet in the Wurlitzer building, uh, so it's been quite a journey, and uh, we have, we really have two groups of people to thank for that and that on our employees because we've had the best employees for the longest time uh, truly care about the product and then our customers for the for since day one our customers have been our biggest salespersons um, we up until 2014 we never had a salesperson we never had uh, marketing any type of thing like that and and uh, up to then we've had a lot of growth and it was typically word of mouth from our customers that uh, we're fortunate that love the love the product. Well, we're a loyal breed in Western New York, and I know at least my family. I know there are other people that make orange chocolate and they make sponge candy. I've never even tried it before. I have like no interest in doing it because we all have this weird sense of brainwashing. I think, especially in in North Tonawanda, we go to Platters, and that's the only place that we go. Right. And a lot yeah. the same. So, did. Carl Platter create orange chocolate or perfect it? I'd say he perfected it. The story is, um, and if anyone remembers Merkins chocolates in Buffalo, Merkins used to be made in Buffalo. Merkins is a big chocolate manufacturer. They manufacture it from the bean. Um, we use high quality Merkins chocolate to make our candy. Carl used to work for Merkins. And one of Merkins customers way back in the 30s was King's Candies that had a store at the Broadway market and they sold orange chocolate and Carl started making his and eventually King's Candy got word that Carl was making orange chocolate and selling it in North Tonawanda 
and Kings went into Merkins and said, listen, you got to call your guy off. You know, he's cutting into our sales. So they called Carl into the office and said, listen, Carl, you, you can't be making your candy anymore. We're going to have to let you go. He says, well, I'll save you the problem. I'm done. So he quit. And that's when he started doing it full time to, to put food on the table. What about sponge candy? Did he now, that? he never made any sponge candy. In fact, when Carl, uh, the whole time Carl was, was in business, all he did was hollow and solid milk chocolate, orange chocolate novelties and candy bars. That's all he did. Um, just prior to my father's passing, uh, right before he was diagnosed with cancer, we had bought a company called Betty Dixon Candies out of Jamestown, New York. And we were actually a customer of theirs. They made creams, caramels, uh, pecan frogs, and sponge candy. And they went bankrupt. And it's, it's a long story why they went bankrupt, but they went bankrupt. So the equipment had sat for about a year closed, and my father approached me and my brother to see if we were interested. And as I said, I was in college, and I said I was. So the plan was to finish college. We'd move this stuff, and we'd start up making sponge candy and all the other cooked candies. That's when the, the diagnosis for my father was delivered, and it wasn't long that he was passed away, and my brother and I were essentially tasked with uh, moving and setting up a, a big candy company that we had no idea what we were doing. Um, fortunately, uh, some of the employees from Betty Dixon Candies wanted to come back to work in Jamestown, so we actually had a factory down there for about four or five years, um, and that's where I learned how to make all the different candies. It's their sponge candy recipe that that we use, we use all the recipes from Betty Dixon Candies. And I mean, that that's where our sponge candy started coming from. And that was back in 1990, 1993. That's not easy to make, like the humidity, it's a it. and I know my grandmother wouldn't, will make it. I mean, and only during, you know, a certain season because you can't make it when it's too humid out. And, you know, it can be different almost every time if she uses old, like older, carol syrup or something it turns out gummy it's very temperamental to perfect it's extremely temperamental we we're fortunate that we've got a quality supplier that the corn syrup we get for the most part is it's the same every time so we don't have a lot of variations because you're right a little bit of change in corn syrup and it doesn't come out the same um i'll, I'll tell you the recipe because it's our recipe for corns for sponge candy is 26 pounds of corn syrup 30 pounds of sugar and a gallon of water and we cook that to anywhere between 285 and 295, depending on what time of year it is. And we actually, we have very good air conditioning and drying uh, here at the Wurlitzer building. So we are able to make it year round. We do make it year round. Um, but yeah, it is, it can be temperamental. And with our bigger batches, it's thick. So it's a workout, it's all manual. We mix it manually. There's not an automatic mixer or anything like that. Um, so it's a, it's a young man's job because uh, it's, it's definitely a workout. It beats you up after a few years. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I, yeah, I know my grandma doesn't make it anymore. She's 91. She gave us the old pan. It has like all the knife gouges in it from breaking it up. So yep. you, it is much, you can, you know, tackle it yourself if you want a challenge, but it is way easier to, to buy it. It's a lot less right? headache. Let the professionals do it for you. Yeah, right? seriously. Absolutely. So we're all in this weird world right now of COVID-19 and, and you guys certainly are too. How is this affecting your business? Well, uh, it's definitely affecting it. This, the four weeks prior to Easter are typically 50 to 60% of our business. 
and most of that is retail. We're a big wholesaler, but but the retail uh, really surges during this time of year. And obviously, with um, the regulations that have been put down, we fortunately have been classified as an essential business because we do serve food. Um, we're regulated by the agriculture markets. We have a food processing license, so we are a food manufacturer. But you can't sit in here. You have to take out. So we do coffee, we do ice cream, we do chocolate. Um, and there's a lot of fear, I think, in the neighborhoods that, that you know, if you're susceptible in any way to this uh, COVID, you're going to stay home. So we're having people stay home. So it's it's probably crimped our business. We're down maybe 40 to 50%. Um, what it is doing, though, is we are having curbside pickups. So if you either call in or order online, you can pull up, text that you're here to pick up, and we bring it right out to you. Um, the other thing we're doing is we're shipping a lot more using postal service and FedEx. Uh, that typically we do a lot of that, but it's way up this year. So, uh, we're going to get through this. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely going to make a chink in our sales for this year, but, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's not going to be fatal for us. So, so we will be back. And, and once this thing clears, we'll be back at full steam. So I'm somebody, I need to fill my kids, uh, help the Easter Bunny fill my kids' Easter baskets up. How can they get chocolate flats and sponge candy and everything else that you guys sell? Well, there's two ways. You can either come in the store if you're comfortable with that. We've got a huge selection in the store and we have um, all kinds of space in here for people to stay, you know, six feet away, excuse me, six feet away from each other and, and pick out your chocolates and, and and uh, take them home or uh, our website, which is uh, www.platterschocolates.com uh, has all, almost all the items available in store. And again, you can pick out what you want, we'll pull it for you and then the next day you can pick it up. It's so important to support our small businesses right now. It's great to order, you know, Amazon is convenient. You can stay home, I totally get it. There's also yep. a crazy backlog on Amazon and that's not necessarily helping our Western New York community right right we're uh, actually my wife and I were just talking last night about you know doing what we can to not participate in this recession so we're although we've got all kinds of food in the house we're ordering out we want to help the restaurants you know ordering food for takeout and eating it at home uh, as much as possible so you know the more people can do that if they're able to um, you know it's going to help keep businesses going until this clears and we can get back to life is normal. Well, absolutely. Get back to full staff, get back, you know, some sense of normal, whatever that new sense of normalcy is going right. to be. Um, and you guys aren't just chocolates and candies. You have awesome coffee, which I recommend two pumps of orange chocolate in it when you go. Not the full yeah. four because that's a little thick. Um, yeah. You have ice cream. They have orange chocolate custard. There's a custard of the week. My husband went almost every day when the banana custard was there. You probably yep. 15 pounds during it because it just it was rough. You guys have beer in support yes. with EBC, right? Yeah. No, we don't sell the beer here, but we do have the beer, and it's uh, we do the orange chocolate beer and the sponge candy beer just came out. Oh, is that a, like a stout? No, actually, it's not a stout. Um, it is not a dark beer. It's an ale. It's a sponge candy really? ale. Yes. 
So that gives people a little bit of an option that you don't, when you don't like beer coating your teeth or you don't want to chew it, that gives somebody else an option to have a sponge candy you beer. Can. Right. Absolutely. You can have it even in the summer. And you guys do tours. So once we're back to full steam ahead, tours are awesome. Explain a little bit. So you guys used to be in a smaller facility in on Oliver Street and we're there for the longest time. And, yes. you know, I remember hearing at the time you guys were moving to the Worldster building. And I mean, it, it's a, it was a huge increase in space. How has that helped your, helped your business? Well, it's done a couple things. Uh, but I think the biggest thing it, that the move did was put us uh, up front and center in North Tonawanda on the Niagara Falls Boulevard corridor because prior to that, we were on Oliver Street, which everyone from North Tonawanda is aware of Oliver, Oliver Street. But mm -hmm. for those that aren't, you weren't coming to see us unless you, we, you were coming to see us. There was no drive-by. There was no, um, you know, oh, there's platters. Let's stop in. It was you weren't coming to see us unless you were coming to see us over there. So on the boulevard, um, what we've been able to do is, is uh, really increase our presence to the public. Um, and in the world, it's building itself. There's about 300 people that work here on a daily basis. So we have a, somewhat of a captive audience for the people that work here for coffee and, and, and any types of snacks they're looking to have on break. Um, but what it also enabled us to do was, our retail increased about 300%. So we make almost everything that we sell out of here as far as chocolates go. So our production has boomed in the back. So what we did is the year after we moved here, we bought another what's called an enrobing line. And that's a long uh, line that's used to coat chocolate centers, sponge candy, et cetera, things like that. Uh, we had to put on another one uh, just to keep up with demand. So um, with the increase we had in retail, without wholesale dropping off, it's, it's really, it's been a great opportunity for us to grow and, and build the brand because again, over on Oliver Street, we were just platters chocolates and the people that knew us and loved us would come see us, but we weren't really growing much. Uh, the growth we've had by the move here is, it's been, it's been life-changing for, for us personally and for the business. It's a beautiful facility and it's, there's so much history. I mean, I mean, most people's grandparents or parents worked at least for a little bit in the Wurlitzer building. And yep. it seems like since you guys have moved in, there's just been new life there. There's banquet facility now, there's um, Woodcock Brothers is there and I'm yep. have to assume it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, that's the plan. I think, I think uh, Tom, the owner of the building here is, it's growing as fast as he can handle because every new customer that a tenant that comes in, he's got to build it out and it's a pretty big investment. So, um, but yeah, there's been, we were on the ground floor of the growth here and, and the revitalization of the building. And, and I can't thank the public enough for, for embracing what we've done here because, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, uh, a benefit to everyone. It's benefited us. It's benefited the neighborhood. People have a place to come and, and, uh, I appreciate when someone tells us how nice of a place this is and how they remember um, coming in here when they were a kid or their parents worked here. Um, I know at one point, Wurlitzer employed 4,000 people at the factory here, 4,000 people. Um, that affects a lot of families. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of families touched by that. So it's, uh, it's pretty neat. Like I said, it was, it was very nerve wracking when we did it though, I'll tell you that. Um, oh, sure. 
huge move, huge investment, and being the first one in, because there was, other than the people that worked here, there was no real people, retail traffic coming in. But uh, it's, been a, it's been a great, it's been a great investment and endeavor, and, and uh, it's enabled us to do uh, the coffees that we never did prior to moving here. And uh, so it's, it's exciting and, and rewarding, and it, it's, it makes us feel good to be able to build and rebuild part of the community. You know, I think you guys are doing two things incredibly well. Before we started, you were talking about your in, your employees and how your business is as strong as it is, partially because of the employees. Yep. If you invest in your team and you treat your team well, they're going to be your best brand ambassadors. And you guys invest so much into the community too. You have a run. Um, there's a always big Christmas open houses and you're passing out like free candy and everything. How important is it to keep your employees happy and the community that you operate in happy? Well, I think it's always been paramount going way back to when my father was, was running the small business that uh, the employees were always family. And it, we really didn't even consider them, them employees. They were just family. I grew up with them. I was four years old when my dad bought the business and I just, I grew up with them and they were family. And as we've grown, obviously you don't, you're not as close with all the employees as you are when you only have five or six employees. But um, the fact that the culture here is that the most important thing is that we put out a product that the customer is going to be happy with. And the employees are so conscientious uh, about the work they do that, um, I mean, you, you can't buy that kind of, of one loyalty, but two, uh, they care so much. They just do. And you, you can't, you can't force someone to do that. That's just the way the, the culture is here and the culture is because of the employees. So um, that's, that's been, that's been huge for us. And, and quite honestly, you know, with what's going on, we've had to lay off about 10 of our staff and that's the first time we've ever had to lay off other than seasonally. We've always laid off seasonally for some people and they've enjoyed it because it allows them to spend summers with their kids. This is the first time we've had to do it prior to the season and it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. I can't wait to have uh, have them back. Yeah, it's. I can say we've been coming to you guys since I can remember. My dogs growing up have eaten your chocolate, and you know have lived to tell the tale. Like we have so many stories around platters, and you can really feel good if you're looking to get a little bit of normalcy and something sweet to kind of brighten up your day a little bit. If you need to get Easter candy or you just need a quick cup of coffee and you don't feel like making it yourself, um, make a drive. It's right on Niagara Falls Boulevard in the world are building 908 what Niagara Falls Boulevard. If you need your Easter candy or you just need a quick jolt of sugar, order it online if you don't want to go in and, and they'll have it ready for you. Um, thank you so much, Joe, for taking your time. I know that this is a really busy season. Well, thanks for having me on, Maria, and thanks for letting us share our story and how things are going with this uh, crisis that we're going through here and hopefully within a few weeks here everyone's back to almost normal that would be great yeah i'll be i'll be in for a, a twist with rainbow sprinkles <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you again um for taking your time if anybody would like to hear more of our podcast and learn about more stories about our western new york community you can either stream from spotify or hop on our website shovelthesidewalk.com if you know somebody who has a really great story that you'd like to push out there that we can help them tell um we have a form right on the website 
check it out, fill it out, and somebody will get back to you. Um, if you guys have been watching Joe kind of Blair Witch around and walk while we're having the interview, um, that's the beautiful store that is, is waiting for everybody. Um, so thank you again, Joe, and um, stay healthy, everybody. Wash your hands, and this has been Sidewalk Talk. <laughs>